Hello and welcome. I'm Uri. And I'm Rifki. And you're listening to Talking Tachlis, the podcast where we talk about Jewish life and life in general. So Rifki, I don't know if you saw this, but um, our friend Laser Berman is back in Ukraine now, reporting for Times of Israel. Our friend and friend of the show. I think he's actually been on our show more than any other guest. I think it's three times, which is well, an impressive feat. Yeah, I like Laser. I think that Laser... Uh, every, every time we've spoken to him, I've gotten the sense that he is not only a sort of knowledgeable and thoughtful person, he's a really responsible journalist. Um, mm. I really, really appreciate hearing um, both just hearing from, from someone who's on the ground, but also his analysis um, and his way, his approach to, to the world around him. So, Laser, as I'm, I'm sure you're listening to this, as our number one war correspondent, please stay safe and keep yes. us informed and keep doing your good work. Definitely. And you can follow him at Times of Israel on their, their podcast and on his writings also. And uh, hopefully we'll get to talk to him soon and he can catch us up on all that he's learned on his current trip back to Ukraine. And before we dive into this week's topic, I was actually just thinking about before our show, I was thinking about, you know, laser and being in Ukraine. And we are now coming up on Rosh Hashanah, right? We're in the end of July. And as many of our listeners know, and maybe some of our listeners have experienced, many Jews, especially Jewish men, um, go to Uman mm-hmm. on Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, Lazer talked spend... about this on the Times of Israel podcast. Oh this yeah, morning. really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Whether whether and or not I'm... they're going to be open for for business. Yeah. This year. So I'm I'm really I'm really wondering because I think a lot of people didn't haven't gone to Uman because of COVID, and I think last year it was like overrun because so many people were ready to go. It was really meaningful for them, and I'm really. It's it's really crazy to think about. Obviously, you know, Uman is such a so low on the totem pole for kind of the the priorities right now for the Ukrainian government and right. for the people who are living there. But it's just something to to think about. I wonder what's going to happen. Well, yeah, listeners can and you can listen to the times. Is like it, it's an infusion of money to the government, so right, to the economy. So that is something for them to consider. And also, the border now is open, so for them not to allow visibly Jewish people in, but other people can come in is not going to look very good for them. So like, the border is completely, what does that mean? Like tourism? I, I don't know exactly what that means, but that's what Laser said uh, on his, uh, in his reporting that people, anyone who wants basically can come in. Um, and it w- had been closed for a while. You had to have a specific I, I know, guess so. reason to get in. I guess so. We'll have to talk to Laser and get more details on this. Yeah. So, but until we, until we have that conversation, let's dive into, to this week's topic. Mm-hmm. So, Uri, I'm sure you heard about, and I'm sure many of our listeners heard about, um, a few weeks ago, according to video that we have and according to many of the participants and the onlookers, on Rosh Chodesh Tammuz, which is the first of the month of Tammuz, which was a few weeks ago, there were several bar and bat mitzvahs being celebrated at the egalitarian section of the Western Wall or the Kotel. This was on a Thursday morning. And in the middle of their celebrations, in the middle of uh, the Torah reading and the tefillah, the davening, the prayers... About 50 Haredi young men interrupted their services. They blew whistles, they screamed at the attendees, and they ripped up their prayer books. In the videos, you can see them calling the worshippers Nazis, calling them Christians, animals, shiksas, which is a a Yiddish word that's often used as a slur for non-Jewish women, and calling them Reformed Jews. The biggest insult that they, that they think of, which, by the way, Uri is, I think, particularly funny because in a lot of the articles you read about this, you see the people who are saying it's such a weird thing to say. We're not reform. We're conservative. Like these are mm-hmm. conservative ceremonies. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, to the, these obviously these Haredi teenagers, they, they don't know the difference. They're not right. like, you know, trying to. Well, to they, them, they, they probably literally is no don't difference. know. No significant difference yeah. from in their perspective. Yeah. 
According to the protesters and their supporters, mixed-gender services represent a major affront to the sanctity of the Kotel. Therefore, these protesters are justified in doing everything possible to prevent them. According to the Times of Israel, Rabbi Perry Netter, who was the conservative rabbi who officiated the bat mitzvah, he said that he believed that the protesters truly felt that they were acting in accordance with God's will. And he said, quote, They weren't just hooligans, even though they did behave that way. They believed they were warriors fighting a cosmic battle. So this whole story is a conversation in and of itself, but we also have recently been thinking about another story, one which actually got less attention, at least according to everything I've been reading, Ari. I'm not sure about you. I think here it Gil- got less attention. Uh-huh, uh-huh, that makes sense. Here meaning America. Right. Right. Gil Tamari, who is a Jewish-Israeli Channel 13 journalist, snuck into Mecca, Saudi Arabia. He even actually visited Mount Arafat, where pilgrims gather during the climax of the Hajj, the pilgrimage to Mecca, every year. After his trip, Tamari reported a 10-minute video about his visit. So this, of course, is a huge deal because Mecca, which is Islam's holiest city, has a complete and total ban on non-Muslims entering the city because there are kind of strict rules about people in the city not only being Muslim, but you have to pray a certain way, you have to act a certain way, and definitely non-Muslims, it's completely against the, the law. It's against both religious law and also against Saudi Arabia law. Tamari made it clear that he knew he was breaking the law, but that he did it as a way to showcase, quote, a place that is so important to our Muslim brothers and sisters. This whole event enraged both the government of Saudi Arabia and many Muslims worldwide. He has apologized, as has his station, but both claim that they don't actually regret the action. Two days ago, as we're recording this, the Mecca regional police arrested an unnamed Saudi national who helped sneak the Israeli reporter into Mecca. And Uri, I think the way he did it was he, he also is an American citizen and he just came in on his American passport and right. just claimed to be, you know, didn't claim any Jewish anything. And I think either there was an assumption that he was Muslim right. or he explicitly said he was Muslim. I actually couldn't find that anywhere. But either way, he definitely, it was definitely a, a sutter, subterfuge and he was not planning i think he actually left when they started questioning him and he basically just snuck out of there as soon as possible so uri obviously there are ways in which these two stories are similar and there are ways in which these two stories are very different but ultimately i think the major overlap is clear many haredim see the kotel as a sacred holy space i mean i think all haredim see the kotel as a sacred holy space which is defiled by acting a certain way and many muslims or all muslims see mecca as a sacred holy space also defiled by people not acting within a very specific code of conduct. So Uri, what do you think? Do you see these stories as the same? If we want to overly simplify the story, who are the bad guys, quote unquote bad guys, in either story? And who are the good guys? And ultimately, what do you think about these stories? Is it fair? Is it appropriate to restrict groups of people from religious spaces? Yeah, so good job on that that intro, uh, introducing this <laughs> complicated you, issue I, I think i appreciate you complimenting yeah. my intros oh, it means good, a lot good uh <laughs> so i guess in terms of the good guys and the bad guys i think that's like the first thing i would say is that i can't speak to the mecca thing because i'm not muslim so who am i to say that no it's not a desecration of islam because it's you know totally fine for the kotel thing i do think it was disgusting what those kids did so but there were a lot of different reactions and the i think the wording of the reactions matters to me so the adl tweeted we strongly condemn these acts of desecration and statements of hate community leaders and others must unequivocally condemn this unacceptable behavior so i think that's the correct response to this mm-hmm. 
There was another reaction from Deborah Lipstadt, who's the U.S. Special Envoy on Anti-Semitism, who happened to have been in Israel at the time. Right. Um, with I think President she was traveling Biden. with the Biden. Right, yeah. right. So it could be that if she hadn't been there, um, she wouldn't have commented on it because there's, you know, incidents at the Kotel like, like this all the time. Um, but yeah. what she said was, Deeply disturbed by the troubling actions of a group of extremists last week at the Kotel. Let us make no mistake. Had such a hateful incident, such incitement, happened in any other country, there'd be little hesitation in labeling it anti-Semitism. So to me, that kind of like is a very confusing statement and brings up the connections to the Mecca thing and also to the Temple Mount, which you didn't mention in the intro, but I think it's Mm -hmm. very relevant here. Um, Maybe even more relevant than the Mecca example, where you have the holiest site for Jews, holy in the same way as the Kotel, only more so. And it's sort of like controlled in a way by the Jordanian Waqif. And Jews are like allowed to go there most of the time, but they're like legally not allowed to pray at their holiest Mm -hmm. site. And if you didn't know anything else about anything, that would sound crazy. And I think it is crazy. So for Deborah Lipstadt to say that this was anti-Semitism, that's where she lost me. Like, that's anti is it anti- would she also call it anti-Semitism that Jews can't pray on the Temple Mount? And what does she mean by like in a different country? If it was a different country, it would be anti-Semitism, but since it was Israel, it's not anti-Semitism. I think she meant because it was Jews doing it to Jews, then she's not gonna outright say it's anti-Semitism, but she's gonna say, she's gonna say, I would say it's anti-Semitism. But I'm not going to say that. But she basically did say it by saying that. So those those are the, some of the, some of the things that I'm thinking about. Like basically, like I feel was, okay. So was, I think I think yeah. the anti-Semitism thing feels like getting caught up in semantics. Like well, are we going to define it as anti? And meaning I'm saying Deborah Lipstadt also. Like I, I think the you, whether we define it as anti-Semitism or not feels less important than what actually happened. Well, I think yes I think the no. claim she's making is, is discriminatory towards Jews. Right, but she doesn't. I don't think she calls the Temple Mount Jews not being able to pray there anti-semitism like listen she's the special envoy in anti-semitism she'll like a a hammer sees a nail she's gonna use that term a lot i guess Um, but i also i I also read a lot uh, and listened to other podcasts in which uh, i listened to a really interesting podcast in which laura ben david who was who's a photographer in israel and who was photographing one of the simchas there and so she happened to be there and i heard her discussing this on a different podcast and she i think and the person who was interviewing her who is scott khan who uh uh, and I, we could, will, of course, list the, put the interview in the show notes here. I think they both were also calling this event anti-Semitism. Like, okay. I, I, this isn't a Deborah Lipstadt thing. Well, I, I mean, yeah. we can agree or disagree on whether it is. I, as you know, as, and as the listeners know, this is, I never like to get caught up in, I just don't care whether we're calling it that or not. I just don't think that's... I hear what you're saying. I think it's just important because it, it frames the way to think about this. And it puts things into context. Like, I'm definitely not defending what those kids did. I think there's a way of having a problem with what happened and not doing it, not expressing it in a completely disgusting way. Actually, Rabbi Brander, um, Kenny Brander from, he was at YU for a long time and now he um, lives in Israel. And he had a, he had a tweet that I actually uh, appreciated. He said, these boys aren't religious. They are hoodlums dressed in Orthodox garb, committing multiple prohibitions, parentheses, stealing, embarrassing the other, desecrating the name of God, and parentheses, they should be banned from the Kotel. That's Rabbi Brander. Like pretty, that's like very, very wow. strong words, but that makes sense to me. Like I have no problem with anything that he said. It was just the anti-Semitism word. Um, to me, it was like, 
Well, what about it's a all these triggering word for you? Well, Marie. well, it's a. I, I, I'm not is. saying you ch- I'm not making fun of you. No, I'm yeah. Not, I'm, yeah. I, I think because, first of all, I, I think it's a problem that word, that word and other words like it, racism also, have lost most of their meaning because they're just used so freely to, to describe so many different situations that I don't think it's warranted in. Um, and also the double standard issue, which I think re- relates to the Mecca thing, which we can get into, and to the Temple Mount thing, which is like, if you're going to use that word for this, well, are you using it consistently and fairly? And I think the answer is maybe not. Sorry, you're saying, who who are well, you trying okay, to claim? Okay, is, this is, is not about Deborah Lipset. Let's talk about the Mecca thing for, for a second. So for an Israeli Jew to go into Mecca, um, you asked in the intro, is it the same or is it not the same? It's not the same because Mecca is a whole city. And it's not that he did anything rude or obnoxious. Like if you watch the video, he just says like, wow, we're we're in Mecca. There, there's the this and there's the that. And there's Mount Arafat. You know, like he's admiring the, the place. He's excited to be there. I think there's a thrill. He talked about um, journalistic curiosity. I think that was probably mm-hmm. his main motivation. Like no Jew has ever, you know, no Israeli has ever been here. I snuck in. It's pretty cool. Like here it is. And he showed it to like the Israeli uh, public. I mean, there are no Jews in, in Mecca. There actually used to be until Mohammed killed them and exiled them. But like right now, there isn't really any justifiable religious reason for a Jew to go to Mecca. So you could say like and, and across the board, I think from Israeli officials and stuff, they condemned this and they said, like, you're just provoking them. Why did you do it? You shouldn't have done it. Where they can, you know, which I understand. But at the same time, is it it's a little weird that there's like a whole city I mean, the whole country, really, but specifically that city that Jews are not welcome. Israelis are not welcome. You can't step. You know, it's the Kotel is a specific site. It's like if there was the so, mosque. Sorry, are, are you are you are you saying that you think I just want to make sure I, I understand. Are you saying that you think if one is more, quote unquote, offensive than the other, the idea of a Jew entering Mecca is or a non-Muslim entering Mecca is less offensive than Jews not being allowed to pray in the Temple Mount. The way I would or, say it is the restrictions or are, or the, rest- the Kotel. Like what are the what yeah. are the things we're comparing I, and what? I think the way I would just say it's not the same. And I, the Mecca thing doesn't. I don't care because I don't want to go to Mecca. But like the restrictions of who can and can't enter and why they you know what the what the threshold is for to be allowed in seem to be much more restrictive and much more like I don't know unfair. In, in Mecca, like as opposed, meaning if there's a mosque, that would be one thing. But this is a whole city. So that's interesting. I, I totally don't see it that way. Like, I I really think that to me, the idea of a Muslim city, which is being, which is a, not just a, a city that is controlled by Muslims, but a city that has real significant religious import to Muslims. It's literally the whole city in in the world to them um, and incredibly, incredibly meaningful to them. And they have certain halacho that they associate with the place, right? They have certain laws that they associate with the place. And there's an, it's a very kind of like equal measure of who's allowed in, who's not allowed in. Um, and Mecca is very much theirs. Like, as, as you said, like this, we do not have a, a claim to Mecca. We do not feel like, no, there's something that ties us. It's not like we're trying to visit a place that has religious import or even historical import. Um, this is this is purely something that he thought was interesting and meaningful in some sort of like cultural way um, and thought would be cool and interesting. And that's why he made that choice. Mm-hmm. But that feels to me so understandable and benign. Okay. Whereas... 
And what feels very, very different is that at the Kotel, right, the the reform and the conservative and people who are interested in a non-traditional Orthodox prayer service feel a sense of ownership of the place. They think this is theirs. This is equally theirs, Mm -hmm. just like the it belongs to the Haredim Jews. It belongs to all Jews. It is equally mine and yours and that guy's for all of us Jews. So what the Haredi kids or Haredi leadership who were kind of tacitly encouraging this, even if they're saying like, oh, we didn't tell them to do it, whatever, whatever, that by by saying like, okay, you know, like it's understandable, you know, like we have to defend the honor of this place. What they're saying is, no, 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 it's ours, not yours. It is absolutely ours. You get no sense of ownership. And to me, that's where it really breaks down because I don't believe that. I do not believe that it belongs to Haredi people and does not belong to reform or conservative people. Mm-hmm. Like right. Mecca, I do believe, belongs to Muslims and does not belong to mm-hmm. non-Muslims. Okay, well, so I, I would be very curious to hear your thoughts yeah. on the Temple Mount specifically, and if, if that because that's obviously a very different um, story. Yeah, but, Temple Mount is way more complicated. Okay, but before that, uh, to respond to, to what you said about the Kotel, so I actually had to look it up. Like, where is where exactly is this egalitarian section at the Kotel? Yeah. I've heard a lot about it, but it's actually right there. It's like right. when you're looking at the Kotel at the main plaza, so it's like, all the way on the right of like that whole wall, the Western yeah. wall, it's like the end, of, almost the end of the Western wall. Um, there's like another section, but it's like right there. The plaza sort of doesn't d- go directly into it. You have to kind of have to go around apparently, and it's hard to get right. in. Sometimes the gate is locked, but that's where it is. So um, right. like when we go to the Kotel, I don't think like, at least like for me, like I've never gone to the Kotel and been like, well, I'm not sure hundred percent where to go because it's like, it's the, the natural lead in that I've always yes. been. I never even noticed another place. Right. Well, However, if you go yeah. Dafka going to the other place, it's totally obvious and, and right there as well. Well, I think, yeah, it's pretty new it's just in the last few years. And also right. the government has, I think, basically promised and then reneged and then promised again to like fix it up. Like there's no bathroom there. Yes. It's not really, you know, that nice looking. Um, so they, they, they promised to, to make that also there isn't i don't think there's a direct entrance from the the main plaza and they want to to add that in but what i was oh i didn't realize that that's my understanding but what i Hmm. what i was gonna say was that i draw a distinction between that and like let's say women of the wall who for years have tried to like i think now the legality of it has loosened up but like it was illegal for women to like read the torah at the kotel and they would like smuggle torahs into the women, the main women's section, and then try, and then every time they did it, obviously it caused like a huge uproar. And um, so, whenever I would see that, and you know, that's like a discussion in itself. But I always thought, like, yeah, the egalitarian thing is the perfect compromise, and that's what it was called. It was a compromise, and so uh, you know, you might not love it, but like it's a separate thing, and it's not infringing at all on the main uh, men and women section at the at the main part of the hotel. So to me, it's like. Even if you don't like it, that's it's a perfect compromise, and so I it, it bothers me that that's now not even available or not yeah. easy. For, my for my understanding, by the way, tell me if you read the same thing, was basically that it seemed like these teenagers, these you know these boys who came, um, they were not coming to break up these bar and bat mitzvahs. They were coming because it was a Rosh Chodesh and therefore the women of the wall were going to be there. And every month this it's like the same cycle happens again. The women mm-hmm. of the wall are there. The protesters are there. It's it's scary. It's stressful. Um, and it seems like they didn't, they, they kind of happened almost upon these bar mitzvahs and this bat mm-hmm. mitzvah. And they basically just were already obviously amped up and protesting and being 
<laughs> maneuvers, if we could say. And this was just like, okay, you know, we're here, you're here, let's keep it going. That's my understanding. They didn't plan it in advance. Right. It was that could be. I mean, like as we said, like this this has happened many times in different forms in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. This was just like the latest one. I think the fact that Biden w- was there at the time made it more of a, a big deal um, or got people talking about it uh, more. That's interesting. I felt like it didn't get so much press. It didn't get that much, but it got more than like the I, I was just looking at, at other news stories like there were Women of the Wall went a couple months ago and there were, you know, protests and people. Women of the Wall goes every month. Right. It's just not a news like. I wouldn't expect anything different. Okay, okay. I think it's a more interesting question for women of the wall who I think I was listening to like some interviews with their like leadership and they basically said that alt- eventually they are willing to compromise to do their services at the egalitarian, but not until it's like totally set up and everything is the way it should be there. In the meantime, they still want to daven in the, the women section. Um, and that I think is a more interesting question. Like, yeah, okay, they're they are Jewish, but is should orthodoxy have any sort of um, priority when it comes to you know the the prayer that's at the at the Kotel? Like, it's interesting. Like, you know, going to the Temple Mount, the 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 phrase that you hear in you know over and over is the, the status quo. Everyone has to say like, we're not changing the status quo. We're not changing the status quo. Well, obviously, the status quo at the Kotel is it's orthodox and there's a mechitza and women don't read from the Torah. So, you know, it, that's where I would say it gets it veers into um, maybe double standard territory. Like what what is how important is status quo? Like, so, so I'm curious, Rivki, if you want to, to obviously respond to any of those things, but specifically with the Temple Mount, um, does it bother you that Jews aren't allowed to pray there? And do you think that is wrong? Yeah, this is easy. We could all go home. Yeah, I think it's crazy. I think who is anyone to stop anyone from having a relationship with God? I just think it's crazy. If I want to walk into a church and talk to God, who is anyone to stop me from doing it? It's not like I'm walking into a church and holding a service. You might say, okay, well, that's disrespectful in certain ways, whatever, whatever. For me to walk anywhere and want to talk to God in that place because I'm feeling inspired because it's the, either, either because I'm feeling inspired or because I'm like, oh shoot, I'm about to run out of time for, you know, my afternoon service, whatever it is. Like I should always be allowed to have a conversation with my God. Yeah. Okay. What so, do you think, Ari? Well, I mean, I think that's <laughs> definitely reasonable. But what oh, about, you. Um, you know, it gets into the territory, I guess, of like one person's religious freedom is could be said to infringe on another person's religious freedom. Like, you know, the re- religious freedom of the egalitarians to daven, to, to pray men and women together infringes on the orthodox right to have a separate prayer, you know, service. How does it infringe... Why the Orthodox I have think plenty of they would space say. for their no? So if if it was trying no, to they just think at, it's disgusting. It shouldn't exist. No, they, they think it's they infringing. Don't go, there's other Reform and Conservative uh, synagogues in Israel. They don't just maybe they do, but I don't right. think they just go. The, but they, into they're there claiming and that them. there's a sanctity to the Kotel, and therefore for anyone to have a non-Orthodox service at the Kotel is disgusting and defiling right. of the physical place. Okay, right? They're not saying it's infringing upon my religious well, freedoms. It, okay, it's semantics a little bit. So. I don't see the semantics. I, I see them as fundamentally the religious different. freedom. They're to, defending to, a wall versus right. they're defending their own right to practice. Okay, defending they can the practice wa- however they the, want. The, the religious freedom to defend the wall in the way that they. What does that mean? Religious to freedom to defend a okay, wall. Okay, okay. I, I think we're we're not really disagreeing that much. Um, it's it's okay. a little bit semantics. I want to ask you a different question to to change the conversation a little bit. Um, I, I, to Wait, me, but I want to hear yeah. your thoughts about oh. the Temple Mount. 
oh, tell, I think it's absurd and insane that Jews can't right. pray there. So let me, let me, I'm just thinking about, the. I think also about the Talmud often, like, how would you feel if Muslims began coming to the Kotel for their prayer? Yeah. How would, how would you feel about I've that? I've thought about that. First of all, non-Jews are certainly allowed at the Kotel. Biden, I, I assume, was there. I know Trump was there, whatever. I, I think if a, if a Muslim was an Israeli citizen, they, they wouldn't be able to be stopped if they started praying at that. That would definitely be a problem. Uh, is that is that true? I'm, assu- I'm assuming. I don't even know if it's ever happened. You know, I'm, you're saying it's a legal problem, or you're, yeah, you're saying that people it, would like. I'm assuming get security. Offended. I'm assuming security would would take them away. Really? That's my guess. They're not. Oh, what what would the like what would the grounds be? I mean, it was until uh, until 2013, which according to my research, it was it was illegal for a woman to read from the Torah at the Kotel. That was a Israeli law. So if that's a law, I'm assuming a Muslim, it would be illegal for a Muslim to pray at the Kotel. I could be wrong, but that's interesting. I I would I would assume it's not. Meaning, I would assume that there there because it's wouldn't happen. Like because it like I I think the reason that it's a law according to Israeli law is because it's been challenged and they wanted to enshrine it into law. I would imagine that that's not true. But well, maybe you know it's never what? happened. I, I'm yeah. basing that on nothing. I, I really it's, don't know. Right, let's talk theoretically. It's very interesting. But, but forget yeah. about legally. I'm, right, I'm right. really asking, like, from a, a moral or a hashkafic, a philosophical perspective. Yes. Do you does that make you uncomfortable in any way, or are you like, no, that's great? Well, of course, it makes me uncomfortable because the kotel is basically a shul. That I mean, the 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 part where where that's fenced off with the, where there's the mechitza and the men on one side, women on the other side, like. For all intents and purposes, that's a synagogue. So a Muslim praying in, in a synagogue makes me uncomfortable, yes. And obviously it's the uh-huh. hotel, so even more so. I've thought right. about it because I, I always try to be consistent and I try not to be hypocritical. So it's like, you know, Muslims at least visibly have autonomy on the Temple Mount. You know, they have their shrine, they have their mosque. Yes, technically speaking, it is Judaism's holiest site. It's only Islam's third holiest site. But if we're talking about like status quo and like things like that, they're basically there physically more than we are, as whether we want to like it or not, that's what it is. That's the reality. So like if we're going to say, hey, this is our holy site also, Jews should go there. I'm, I'm pretty sure like the Kotel, Muhammad like left his donkey there or something when he went up to the Temple Mount. So like it has, it's like, it's, it's something. I've never heard of Muslims wanting to go there, but it's a very interesting question. I've thought about it. Like, what if they did want to go? Would we right. maybe maybe if that was a thing, which I don't think it really is, that there's a gr- large group that wants to, there might be some sort of like, the you know, the Western Wall is actually very long. There, there's actually a section I've been to in the like Muslim quarter that you can go to and, and Jews go there and, and pray there also. So like maybe they would say, hey, that's your section. Something mm-hmm. like that, I think, would be a, a fair compromise. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I think it would be totally fine and appropriate. The same way that I, I said that I think, like, I should be allowed to have a conversation with God in a church. And I should be like, I think everyone should be able to talk to God however they want. Now, I think it would be, there are parts where it gets tricky, right? There are ways in which, you know, what if someone walked into a shul and started um, talking about Jesus or started talking about something that would directly went against tenets of Judaism, right? Something like that. Then I, I feel like I would be uncomfortable. I think I have to think out more, or articulate why I would find that to be different. Uh, maybe because that that's, no, it doesn't infringe upon my religious rights. I'm not sure. I, I need to think about, think about it more. But the idea of a singular person coming into any space and choosing to have a conversation with God on their own terms in that religious space feels to me like, you know, we could have 
more people talking to God, and that would only be a good thing for the world. Yeah. I don't know. Like, to I, me, that that really doesn't upset me. The, I think I would actually, like, if I went to the hotel and I saw religious women who were of many different persuasions davening at the hotel when I when I went, you know, mm-hmm. next time I go, I'm at the hotel, I think I would find that really amazing. Right. The The problem is that's you, and there's other people that wouldn't find it amazing. Well, so I agree. You, who, you know, how do you find Pick that? me. You what know, do you mean? How do you resolve that? Um, <laughs> I don't see the problem. I guess maybe the last thing I would bring up and just touch on, because you know how I know how you love when I when I bring in these like yeah, you know, yeah, the yeah. crazy crazy uncle type. I'm uh, so excited. At the end. No, well, I, I don't. I definitely don't want to put my foot in my mouth, and I don't know exactly what my thoughts are. But I think if you have to start off with that <laughs> disclaimer, well, okay, no, because to get back to the the Mecca thing and the Temple uh-huh. Mount, which I, both involve Islam and violent islam and that factoring into like what should we and should we not do both involve violent islam i don't even know what that means were that, are there examples of violence I mean, cl- in either of these cases temple mounts there's violence all the time there people throwing stones and- oh sorry i thought you specifically meant in like reaction to a prayer no, I'm not or say- well this Israeli i mean I think- guy in mecca well, I don't thankfully there was no violence in Mecca because they didn't know he was there until he left. They arrested the guy mm-hmm. who let him in. Which I feel bad for that guy, the Muslim yeah, guy. Yeah, seriously. Um, separate point about how Saudi Arabia is like a really oppressive and terrible country for human rights, and 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 Biden and Israel is working at its hardest to work with them. Well, but Israel's been like announcing how excited they are about this yes, new. Yes, but uh, there's a difference between Israel and America. Israel needs any friend they can get. Uh, I don't think America needs to be buddies with Saudi Arabia. In this, that's a separate, separate thing. Yeah, oh, common enemy. I think, no, what I was gonna say though is just like the the Muslim thing, violent Muslim thing. I think it gets into like double standards, and it gets into like what George Bush Jr. I think called the soft bigotry of low expectations. Like yeah. if you're going to, if you make decisions on, you know, it's horrible. Don't even go into that city because you know what they're like, you know what they'll do if they find you. Like I, and that, I don't think that is really an ideal way to think about the world and to think about people, you know, like the Vatican, the holiest site for, for Catholics, the, the Kotel, let's just, or the, you know, that area, the holiest site for Jews, both open, to anybody from the world who who wants to come but mecca mm-hmm. you can't even step foot in the entire city if you're not the right religion like and we just take that for granted like oh yeah of course you you can't pray on the jews holiest site because there's muslims there who might get violent if we do that and we just lost status quo you know like sorry I, who where did you i've never i did not hear i what i heard is don't do it because it's disrespectful like I didn't hear. For, like, I heard that's what the Israeli government said. Yeah, they of course, because really they're because they're trying like, to they're trying to like calm the political what subliminally. The, you think subliminally what everyone is really thinking is don't do it because it's dangerous and you could. Get I mean, killed? don't don't draw a cartoon of Muhammad because because it's dangerous and you might get killed. Like what other example in any other religion or th- would that apply to telling telling artists, hey, don't draw that cartoon, no matter where you are in the world, what country you're in, like. I think that's all that's connected. It's like we we just take these things for granted. Like that's what they are like. And that's OK because they're different or whatever. And where do we do it this way? They do it that way. I think that just is part of the issue here. And that's I'm just kind of putting that out there to think about. <laughs> Thank you for giving us so much to think about. Already. You're welcome. Very thoughtful. Um, I mean, OK, I I I, I 
I do not think that this is me being uh, that I'm either lying to myself or that I'm incredibly naive. I did not think once for a second. I cannot believe he did that. He's lucky he walked out of there with his life. The Mecca guy? I, I did not, what do you think would happen if all. they caught him when he was there? You think he'd be fine? I think he'd be arrested. And then what? They don't have due process there. I, I don't know anything about Saudi Arabia law. I mean, I mean, the, I, I have really, truly have no idea. I imagine that Israel and Saudi Arabia would have to do some back channel negotiations to get him back to I Israel. I mean, there was a like, journalist they didn't like, and the, the guy in charge of the country ordered him to get chopped up into little pieces. So, yeah, And he wasn't true. even Jewish. Yeah, <laughs> and he wasn't even in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that's definitely true. But e- either way, like, I- I'm not saying that he would. they would have, like, you know, pat him on the head and be like, oh, not nice, rude, please leave. But I totally did not think... The reason that, that he should not do this is because it's dangerous. Maybe it's true that it's dangerous. I'm not saying it's not true, but that was not at all my first instinct. Mm-hmm. My first instinct was they have religious sanctity laws, and you're denying their, their laws where, where they believe something so deeply and so strongly about the beauty and the sanctity of a place, and you are ignoring that because, like, you think it's cool. He that made it ugly felt very by disrespectful. being there as a Jew, yeah. <laughs> it's not a Jew. It's a non-Muslim. You're, you're making this a Jewish thing. Uh, it's not a Jewish thing. Okay. I, again, I'm I'm not an expert on Islamic law and on Mecca, and I'm I'm not just trying to hate on on Islam. I'm just I just think that that is an just the way you said it that you weren't even thinking about that. I think that's an element that is like people just don't talk about, even though it's like under the surface in all of these examples and all of these cases. And I just think it's something that needs to be talked about, just like everything needs to be talked about. I, I love the idea of talking about everything, <laughs> but I, I do not see this as the crux of the issue. I see this the crux of the issue really being uh, whatever. I, it does, what's this, who matter? The point is not what's the crux and what's the side. It doesn't matter. Right. I'm not if saying it's, it's the element, crux. I'm yeah, saying it's maybe, an element. Maybe it is an element. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. sure. Um, but um, either way, I, I do think what he did was was incredibly disrespectful and hurtful. And I, I, it's interesting. Like Judaism does not have halachot about who is allowed to enter a shul or is allowed to pray in a shul. That is not something that is important to us. We have rules about ourselves, about our own conduct, and about where we are allowed to enter, what sort of holy places we are allowed to be be part of, or even to literally just to walk through the doors. Um, but I can also imagine a Judaism in which we did have those sort of restrictions. And I think it would be really hurtful to me as a Jew if people denied those restrictions because they were curious. They thought it was interesting. Well, thankfully, we don't. I mean, anyone who wants, like we said, can go to the hotel. Yeah. It's like, a, I think about like the Mormon temple, like the massive, big Mormon temple. Like, I think anyone is allowed to enter any sort of regular Mormon church. But the Mormon temple, the like one big place is only open, I think, once a year to, mm-hmm. to everyone. A lot of people flock during that time. I don't know much about Mormonism or about why, um, but something about that feels a little bit interesting because it doesn't, if it's open sometimes, then what does that mean? Is it, is it a religious, like, I don't know. Any um, experts on Mormonism, we would love to hear your thoughts. Please mm-hmm. be in touch. Please check in. And if you're not an expert on Mormonism, but you just want to talk to us, we would love to hear from you too. Please be in touch. Shoot us an email, talkingtachlesspodcast at gmail.com. And of course, join the conversation on our Facebook page, Talking Tachlis Podcast. Bye, everyone. Sei gesund.